this morning, I've, I've come to speak about hope. Hope is, is, is commonly used to mean a wish. Um, it, it, is, it is strength, it strength is in the strength of the person's desire. But biblical hope is, is very different from that. Biblical hope is the confident expectation of what God has promised, and its strength is in his faithfulness. It's a very different thing when we talk about hopes that we have uh, in this world and the hope that we have in God. The title of this morning's message is Our Sure Hope. We're going to find ourselves in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We'll be reading out of the CSB this morning, and I'd ask you to stand for the reading of God's Word. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we're going to be reading from verses 12 through 20. And it reads this way. Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, which whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. Well, if are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. And you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If Christ, we have hope in this life only. We, of all people, most to be pitied. But as it is, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Let's pray. Lord, our hope is in your return. Not in this life only, but in this life too. Lord, you are our blessed hope. This hope has shaped our lives and how we live. We come this morning as we do every first day of the week to give you our first fruits, Lord, to worship and to celebrate you and to receive another good gift. We know your word says that Every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of lights. The preaching of your word is a gift. The hearing of your word is a gift. Would you give us another gift 
that we've come to expect by the hearing of your word. Your word that has power and you use it to change us. We ask, would you change us this day? Would you cause us to look more like your son? Amen and amen. You may be seated. This uh, talk in this text about uh, there no, being no, uh, no resurrection, Paul is, is coming and speaking against that thought to the church in Corinth. This, this argument is, is actually leveled against the Sadducees who believe that the soul is material, affirming that uh, it will perish along with the body and that we will have no existence after death. The body will never be raised. There will be no afterlife. There is no spiritual realm. There are no angels. This is what the Sadducees believed and wanted to impart to the people. So, so Paul approaches these uh, thoughts of theirs with this argument, and, and he uses uh, this perfect tense uh, from the Greek, has been raised. This present reality of this historical fact Paul is speaking of. And it's used seven different times in this text. And, and it's this, con this conditional sentence that he's using in this section to present an assumed fact. If it is preached as it is, that Christ has been raised. And that's the way he lays out this argument. So Paul is using an approach in this argument from uh, laying out this, the ramifications of this theological thought. If there is no resurrection, then what does that mean? So often when we uh, make statements that are theological, we need to recognize the firm, further ramifications that that statement is making. So, so Paul is saying here, Christ, if Christ has not been raised, then you know what that means? That means you don't have an advocate. If, if Christ has not been raised, then, then you don't have a savior. If there is no resurrection and Christ has not been raised, then, then preaching means nothing. What, what are we doing here and what are we talking about? And not only that preaching means nothing, what it would mean is, is your faith is built on a lie. If there is no, no resurrection, it means that, that we are misrepresenting God because we testify that God has raised Christ from the dead, and he didn't. Well, well if that be the case, then, then it goes even further. You're still in your sins. And, and because you're still in your sin, you are guilty, and you are not justified. It, it, this is a big deal. If there is no resurrection, not only that, those are that have been gone ahead of us and died. They, they've perished. Uh, if this is, is true, 
than if in Christ we have hope in this life only, then above all people, we, we should be pitied the most. If you think about these statements, uh, so many, especially in that time and even today, have been greatly persecuted for their faith. If, if Christ hasn't been raised, if there is no resurrection, if it only benefits us to live this life in, in the here and now, what, what is this struggle all about? What, what would we be wrestling for? We might as well just go with the flow like everyone else is doing. But, but then verse 20 comes and says, but as it is, Christ has been raised from the dead. And, and, and he is the first fruits of those that have fallen asleep. So those that have fallen asleep, along with us, have a hope that is more than this life only. That means you do have an advocate. That means you do have a savior. That means you are forgiven. That means you are justified. That means that there is life after death. You, you have hope not only in this life, but in the next life as well. Well, hope, hope is, is crucial. Hope is crucial, but the, the question becomes, uh, what are your grounds for hope? We need to, to clear something up about hope and, is, and its meaning. Hope is, is different from faith. Faith is work and trust. To, to do and believe. Hope is wait and trust, to, to wait uh, and expect. The Bible tells us that works without faith is dead. Well, hope without expectation is also dead. There are, there are three types of people. Those with no hope, those with false hope, hope, and those with sure hope. Which one are you? Those with, with no hope. There, there is a great danger when you have no hope, because when you have no hope, you give up. What, what am I living for? Why bother? Martin Luther King Jr. once said, we must accept finite disappointment, but never lose infinite hope. When you, when you lose all hope, when people come to that place, those are people that are susceptible to taking their own lives. The hope is important because hope is always about the future. It's a terrible thing to not have hope. But, but then we have to speak about false hope. False hope is, is misplaced hope. It is a confident feeling about something that might not be true. 
putting your hope in things that will fail you. And, and resting in false hope can sometimes be more dangerous than having no hope at all. Because having no hope, you can gain hope. But often, if we have false hope, if we have misplaced hope, we are counting on those things to satisfy, and we can be stuck in that place for a very long time. False hope is, is hope that is actually based on ignorance. True hope is, is justified when a hoping person knows and accepts truth about the, prob the probability of that hope being fulfilled. Did, did you catch that? True hope is justified when the hoping person knows and accepts truth about the probability of hope fulfillment. Justification determines if hope is realistic. In other words, you just can't hope on any old thing based on nothing. It has to be based in something. And, and, and false hope reveals itself in many different ways. Like if, if you believe your stability is going to hinge on your bank account, that that's false hope because the economy changes and, and things change. Um, false hope is, is when you believe that it's going to be a relationship that is going to be the basis of your, your joy. Well, people leave. And people disappoint. There's false help when hope when you believe that um, you will be so healthy that is going to bring you this extra long life. Well, health fails. You could be the healthiest person in the world and get into an accident. I know people that uh, eat all the right things. They, they work out and are very regimented. Uh, they take particular care to make sure that they're taking care of themselves and have these self-care rituals. And, and people that I see are that go over the top with those kind of things uh, usually have no regard for the health of their soul. Well, well that's false hope, and, and none of us will live on this side of eternity forever. If you have false hope, actually, the sooner you find out that that hope is false, the better. You, you don't want to rest in false hope. Let the false hope of yours go, if that's you. And then, and then there is good hope. There is a sure hope. Hope you can rest on. Hope that will stand. Know, know this. You must let go of false hope to take hold of good hope. 
There's things you have to let go before you can grasp something else. You want real hope. You want sure hope. Like the song says, it is Christ that is my sure foundation, the rock on which I stand. Our hope as a believer, our expectations are from God. God um, is the one our hope comes from and our hope is in him. Never was a man disappointed who put his hope in God. Never. Paul uses uh, this word hope. It isn't the way uh, that we use the term today referring to things that are uncertain. That's not what he's talking about here. He and the other biblical authors speak about a hope that is certain, a hope that cannot fail, a hope that will never disappoint. Eternal life is life that carries us beyond the grave. It's also what keeps us right now. There is something in theology that is called the already and the not yet. There is, as we've said, people that find themselves with no hope, people that find themselves with false hope, and people that find themselves with sure hope. But once you have sure hope, your prayer must be, Lord, send me to give hope. We're to be vehicles, vessels of hope. We don't have this sure hope to just say, Whew, well, I'm in. No, that hope that we have is to be shared. Send me to give hope. Lord, use me as you fill me. Evangelism is very important. We should be so mission-minded that every place we go, that we look for opportunities to display that we are God's people by our conduct and by the words that we say, and being an active listener, hearing people and identifying what they need. They all need Jesus. What well, We're looking for ways to introduce that to a sick and dying world. If I have this hope, it's hope that needs to be shared. Because any hope outside of this hope is either no hope or false hope. So, so if we have sure hope and we're rubbing up against people every single day that have no hope, that have their hope in the wrong thing, we are obligated because of this sure hope to share the hope that we have. A couple of weeks ago, I spoke to you guys about the nursing home ministry. 
We still need people to come alongside and give people hope. People that are going toward the end of their life that can't make it here. It's either we go to them or they're stuck in a place with no hope. Like all churches after COVID, the church had to reboot. The bride of Christ universal had to reboot. And there is a season in that for getting healthy for developing your spiritual muscles. I was so blessed the other night when we had a testimony service and people that were testifying were speaking in large part about their spiritual growth. Well, as we grow spiritually, we're called to be those that go out. Think about the disciples Jesus pulled them from all of these different places and they walked with him and they watched him. They watched his life. They picked up the burden that he had. He filled them with the Holy Spirit like he fills his church with the Holy Spirit and then he sent them out on a mission. That's all of us. To do what? To share the hope that we have in us with those that have no hope and the majority that have false hope. Hope that's built on sinking sand. We were, we were all there at some point. So I challenge you, as you grow spiritually, look to be about God's work in the church and in every area of your life. There is also something that erodes our hope. At, at, time what, at times, what erodes our hope is time. When, when something doesn't happen when we want it to happen within our time frame. You know what we do at times? When that happens, we just give up. This is just not going to happen. Don't do that. Time can erode hope, but God's timing is perfect. Just think with me for a moment, the, the time between the Old Testament and the New Testament. People were losing hope. They, they, they came to a place where they just said, the Messiah that was promised is not going to come. That, that period is called the intertestamental um, period. And that was a 400-year span. For 400 years, there was no prophetic word. For, for history was still happening. Things were taking place for the Jewish people and everyone else. They were waiting for this coming Messiah, and there wasn't even a prophet speaking of it. 
until John the Baptist came. So people were in a place where they were losing hope. But then the New Testament tells the story of how hope came in the person of Jesus, not only to the Jews, but to the entire world. So Christ had fulfilled prophecy and was anticipated and recognized by many who sought him, the Roman centurion, the wise men, and even a Pharisee, Nicodemus. It all showed how God was coming to his whole world and to have for himself a people after a 400-year period of silence. Don't give up. Don't lose hope. We are living in the glorious hope, waiting for the second advent. We, we, they were waiting for the first advent. We were promised a Messiah, and he came. We're waiting for him to come back. And he's, he's coming back. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercies, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Did you catch that? This living hope comes from the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Dead things bringing about life. God brought us who were dead in our trespasses and sins to life. And life abundant in him to be those that carry hope with us. That when people see us, they look at the circumstances around us. Why does that person appear to have such hope? Because we know that our hope is sure and what it, it rests in. You can come up on worship team. Romans 8, 24 and 25 says, For this hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? You already have it. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Everyone has a, a, a favorite food. And, and waiting for something with patience and with anticipation doesn't mean I'm grasping at straws. If, if, if I think that a brisket is in the oven but it smells like chicken, then, then I don't even have a clue to what I'm hoping for. God and, and his love for us as we wait, as we hope, he's doing things where we recognize, no, this hope is sure. 
the, the aroma, the, the flavor, the things that are going on in our life that we can tangibly hold on to to say God's going to keep his promise. Communion is, is a special time. It, it reminds us of the sure hope that we have in Christ. It reminds us of promises made which will always be the promised land by the power of God and, and his mission was done. And he says, now I'm about to go the way of all the earth. And you know in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed. That's the aroma that we have when we can tell it's coming. He's coming back soon. I'd ask the um, leaders to come forward to be ready to serve the elements. So these passages and what we read today reveals to us that uh, the sure hope that we can have, not only in this life, but in the next. Isaiah 43, 2 says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flames shall not consume you. That's your hope in this life and in the next. Another scripture, 2 Peter 1 and 4 tells us, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of its sinful desires. Like I said earlier, there is a, a theological concept of the already, but not yet, where, where believers are actively taking part in God's kingdom. Right now, today, you, although the kingdom will not reach its full expression until sometime in the future, so God has his kingdom here on earth. He's using his people. He's using his church. But it hasn't been fully realized. There's much, much more to this life. And that's what our hope is in. We're already in the kingdom. But we do not yet see its fullness in glory. This is speaking of God's authority and right to rule and then the realm in which God exercises his authority. I'd ask the ushers to come forward to be ready to serve.
the communion. Uh, we're going to call you up row by row, and we ask that you would take the elements and then go back to your seats, and we will take communion together. If um, you have a mobility struggle, just you could stay in your seat. If you raise your hand, they'll bring it over to you. But this is a beautiful time because in so many ways it expresses the, the present sense of God's kingdom, but also the not yet and what we are anticipating to come. Thank you.